Welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast. This is episode 30. I am your host, Joe Zakreski, joined by RedRiverHorror.com founder, Eddie Kaiazzo, and we have a special guest today, director Martin Gigi. Hey! <laughs> hey, Martin, thanks for joining us. Ed, how are you? D- Joe, I'm doing well, and I... And I've- Martin, thank you so much for doing this again. It's important to note for our listeners, <laughs> we got the storm of the century, no pun intended. Yeah. And that had nothing to do with, uh, you know, Martin and I were on time. So first of all, we're here to promote the film Paradise Cove. All right. Yes. That's out now. So Martin and I had a great conversation, spoke for an hour and, you know, it was after I was done shoveling. So it was kind of nice. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is this is awesome. Right. Well, that conversation is now gone into the ether so episode 30 <laughs> is being redone yes because of my incompetence during the storm of the century but don't beat yourself up yeah well you know. <laughs> but you know but you know eddie i think i think the listeners should know that um there was a hacker and um there's probably a bootleg version out there somewhere so look for that watch for that Oh, okay. <laughs> someone's, someone's bootlegging. Boot, bootlegging the Red River Horror Podcast. <laughs> so, so, Joe, I'm, I'm doing well. Awesome. Um, we, we, we actually, we're, we're going to miss out on some great stories that Martin and I talked about, about his, his foray into filmmaking, going cross-country, and what brought him to Paradise Cove. Mm-hmm. So... I just let let's just kick it off again. The film is out now, video on demand, all the different places that you can stream films from. Mina Suvari is in it, one of our favorites from the '90s and 2000s, of course, in American Beauty, American Pie. But there's some other great actors in it as well. Martin is the director. Mm-hmm. So to kick it off, Martin, what can you tell us about the brand new film Paradise Cove? And I'm going to say that last interview that nobody can hear that's only available on a bootleg is <laughs> was just a rehearsal. I'm going to yeah. say this is the actual take. So action. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, I can I can recreate a little bit of what we talked about. Only, as I said, it'll only be better because we we um, will enjoy that much more, the three of us now. Um, and for those of you also out there who can't necessarily see this, just know that uh, if you hear, you know, if me say a, a bad joke and then you hear a little drum riff, it's because there's a couple of drum sets in the room. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, when I was 20 years old, I jumped, I jumped in, a, I was kind of a combination of hitchhiking and jumped in a car and I, and I got a gig uh, working for a documentary that was being made by uh, MTV. And we made it across the country capturing great rock and roll bands uh, from like, Cleveland, Ohio, all the way through Des Moines and Lincoln, Nebraska. I landed in Reno. Then we got to San Francisco, Santa Cruz, made our way down the West Coast. And boom, Paradise Cove. <laughs> and that was my first experience in the L.A. County area it was, you know, Zuma Beach and like this incredible place of just zen and, and, and peaceful frequencies. Little did I know that, you know, a couple decades later, boom, I was going to be back there again, only this time. It was going to be <laughs> horrifying to an extent, <laughs> but but not necessarily. I mean, I'll say that it's it's um, you know this script when it landed. I mean, when you see a title Paradise Cove, it's kind of like you're intrigued by it, and, mm-hmm. and so I didn't know if it was going to be you know like a a a a high school beach musical or <laughs> <laughs> or, 
or or what, right? Which yeah. is not a bad idea. Maybe we should do the Paradise Cove High School Beach zombie musical version. If, if you need a PA, Joe and I are available. Yeah. We are ready to rock if you need uh, production assistance for that. Totally oh, in. You, I need more than that. I, you guys are in. <laughs> <laughs> we can tag we can we tag team directing this one. Yes. Paradise <laughs> Cove. Zombie so, Beach uh, Party. In any event, you know, I, I the first few pages of the script, and as you know, as you, and I don't think I'm ruining any, anything for the for the listeners, but to have um, a story that kind of throws you back to the thrillers of the '80s and '90s, the psychological thrillers that have like some horror elements in it, to me was intriguing because I like films, I, I love films that can't be defined genre-wise. And those are the ones that make you think, okay, what is this? Is this a horror or is it not a horror? Is this a thriller or is it not a thriller? And I love that sort of gray area that the the story in Paradise Cove goes in and out of because it's about this couple. They're trying to make a baby, you know, nothing better in life. <laughs> and they're in Paradise Cove. And, you know, as the movie says, you know, you can't beat this view. Yeah. And then, boom, there's this, you know, ex-starlet living under the house she's sexy she's intriguing she's mysterious and it's kind of like a cross between you know pacific heights meets uh uh fatal attraction if you will mm -hmm. and so I, I i fell in love with it from the get-go and i was like i'm in and you know sometimes movies take a while to get made it's actually they are all miracles no matter what movie you've made whether you've shot it on an iphone or on a panavision camera it you got to will it in at one point or another and so sherry klein the writer um who also wore a producer hat who this was her first feature and um she had done star trek episodes before as a writer but this was her first foray into film into into feature film so she called on her friends and family from the movie business i did the same thing we combined families and um and you know we're, we had a blast, and uh, you know I'm hearing and seeing that people are digging it out there. So thank you to everybody who who came together to to will this one in. Nice. I mean, I love how you said you like that gray area. I mean, because like if you Google Paradise Cove, you'll find it gets it gets the tag thriller. But looking at like shots and screenshots, I mean, it's like is I mean, it's got like it looks like it has more elements to it too. So I mean, yes, it, it, exactly. It is it is one of those that falls into that category. Yeah, and I love that too because I like to debate people on this podcast on whether something is a horror movie or a thriller or not. Yes, yes. But well, like, we we did talk about that, so we can get into that a bit, a little bit later. But one thing that I did ask last time, and I was still a little bit unclear about. So there are these thrillers and these horrors that are like Lifetime. You know the the channel channel for women. Yeah, they're 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 like lifetime thrillers, and it's just like, uh oh, Susie's webcam is still on. You know, or there's these like rated R uh, thrillers, and and you know, Paradise Cove, young couple, creepy woman living under the house, and some bad things can happen, some gory things perhaps. So, Martin, for Paradise Cove specifically, where does it fall? Is it more lifetime or is it more rated R? I just have to say this. You guys are fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> you really are. This, I mean, we need we need you guys on like major cable or so. I know whatever, whatever, streaming something. This, I mean, you know, I love that this has you know that it, it has its subculture environment. I mean, I love that about it. But boy, could this cross over into like Universal or something? This is fantastic. Thank um, you. I'm yeah, having thank a you. lot of I'm having a lot of fun with you guys. So. Uh, 
you know, I will say this. I, I made a movie, a really cool movie once. It was a serious film. It was my second feature. Uh, it was called Changing Hearts, and it had some big stars in it. And um, and it was like a, it was like a, a terms of endearment kind of movie. It had like this Steel Magnolias quality to it. It was all self-contained in a kind of one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh, hospital for cancer patients. And you go like, wow, that's that's heavy. And you know, but but it was funny and it was edgy and it had the undefinable. And um, and it came out in 2001 which was right after 9-11 so all the studios shut down their releases and this little movie came out and everybody dug it because there was nothing else to compete with you know i'd like Mm -hmm. to think that it was like a good movie and i still think it's a good movie but it was one of those films people wanted to 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 get into humanity as opposed to what 9-11 represented so believe it or not the movie went out theatrically did really well and and we were in three Golden Globe, you know, consideration categories, and it was really cool. And then where it ended up for some reason was on Lifetime. And <laughs> I was like, oh, man, wait a minute. My movie's going to be on Lifetime. I don't understand that. And no, I'm not judging. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I love the folks at Lifetime. One of my buddies and, you know, one of our dear family friends is the program director there. Oh, wow. He'll get a kick out of this if he hears it. But, you know, whenever I want to watch like a movie that's so bad it's good. I go to Lifetime. <laughs> there you go. And, yep. and as a and as a filmmaker, you know, it's really good to watch Lifetime because you learn what not to do. And <laughs> right. so, and at the same time, hats off to those who are able to put together those cool Lifetime movies that we all do. Go like, hey, yeah. that's a cool Lifetime movie. So I can tell you that for sure, this movie. Definitely wouldn't fit on Lifetime, except for a little bit of the love triangle drama that mm-hmm. goes on between the crazy lady under the house and this lovely couple that wants to make a baby. There's some of those moments, but for the most of it, it's this, you know, sort of homage to 80s, 90s psychological thrillers oh. that take you on an entertaining ride. Um, there's some insanity. There's some, I mean, you know, it's kind of sideways. That's the best yeah. way to describe it. And um, it's R all the way. Yes, sir. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> you know what movie popped in my head as you were giving that description, thinking about like that kind of like 90s thriller? The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Whoa. I was Perfect. Like, I was like, that's what I'm feeling. Like just from that description, the vibe, I'm just like, and that was. You that know your stuff. The <laughs> that's the juice. That's, that's the, the juice. juice. Yep. Oh yep. man, Dad, you rem- I remember you had you said you have to watch this. It's the nineties classic. Yeah. <laughs> you just you Louis just Braun. melted away you just Louis melted Braun. away the years and brought me back to like me hanging out after a few beers at two AM and catching that for some reason yeah. for the second time and going like, Oh man, what a ride. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, 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 that's like I bow to that one, man, and, and I do to other ones that, you know, are sort of this one is so quirky sometimes that it could take you to the to the like the blue velvet David Lynch place a little right. bit, you know. It, yes. It, it can it can get like that, you know. It has a little bit of, of that blowout De Palma stuff in it. Like it. It's an homage, you know? Yeah. And 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 we did it also with our cinematographer Massimo Zeri, uh, who's worked with everybody, including, you know, Fellini. I mean he he and, and he he's He's been around a long time, and I le- I've, I've done a bunch of movies with him. I learned a lot from him. He brought that 
that formula, which is that it's what you can't see and what you don't know that creates tone Mm -hmm. in psychological thrillers because you're planting seeds, you're doing things and undoing them and then doing them back. And, you know, that kind of melodrama shoved into the tone of a psychological thriller with elements of horror is what makes it sort of a little bit undefinable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, there's no rhyme or reason to that genre that we're talking about that we love, which is the undefinable genre. I mean, the things that the that the character of Brie living under the house does, played by Kristen Bauer, is you just don't know. You're un- you don't know what you're getting. You don't know what's going to happen. You think she's going to be just fine sometimes. Others, and it's not both bipolarity. It's just this, you know, it's borderline psychotic insanity, but there's a reason for it that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're interested. And you're almost kind of like, you know those movies where you're rooting for the crazy person for some stupid reason? Yes. yes you want, that's what this is. Like, you, you don't want her to get caught or get a. You want her... You want her to keep going, you yeah. know, keep That's, coming up with crazy shit to do. That is interesting. So, so there is a bit of that, which is very interesting. Um, uh, I just said interesting twice, and that was stupid. But, <laughs> but we're talking about the film uh, Paradise Cove with the director Martin Gigi, and that's I wanted to bring some of the other actors in: Todd Grinnell and Mina Savari. Uh, they play the young couple mm-hmm. and the crazy person living under the house. Kristen Bauer Van Stratten. She plays Bree. And Martin, one of the things that does scare me in films like Paradise Cove, and I guess we don't want to give away any spoilers. The film is fresh. It's just out right Mm -hmm. now for you to watch. But that moment where I'm guessing that this happens, and I can't wait to see it, where Brie is just standing in the room with the unsuspecting couple. Maybe there's a shot that, you know, they're in bed sleeping or something, and then the camera pulls back and there's Brie standing there. Is like, how many moments like that are in Paradise Cove? Incidentally, don't ever apologize about saying interesting twice because whenever you say interesting twice, it cancels it out. Oh, okay, good. So you're good. That's a great question because uh, we've all felt, it doesn't matter who you are, we've always had this kind of, we're born with the neuroses of having to look over your shoulder. <laughs> Did I just hear that? Is somebody in my room? Is somebody in my car? What was that? Was that a shadow? Was that real? Is that somebody? What did I just hear? Where there's the middle of the night, the middle of the day, especially when you're alone. And so that plays into this because it's self-contained. I'm really attracted to self-contained environment films because it accentuates the character-driven elements. And it really allows us to peek into the human condition because everything becomes, everything gets slowed down when you're in a self-contained environment. This all takes place in a house. Incidentally, this is based on a true story. Sherry Klein, who wrote it, the writer, this is, again, she based this entirely on a true story of something that actually happened in Malibu over the last few years, it happened during the time where Malibu was suffering from the fires. And she, Sherry lives in Malibu. We shot in her house, independent film, right? I mean, they were like, they've got to find a house in Malibu to shoot in or something that looks like Malibu. Well, I live in Malibu. She said, I have a house there. Ding, 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 (laughs) ding. Cancel the location scout, save some money. Right, right. (laughs) 
And that really helped us with the city of Malibu because the city of Malibu has a really funny sign. If you haven't seen it, and if you haven't driven through Malibu, there's a sign in Malibu that says, welcome to Malibu, please enjoy it and then leave. <laughs> and it's they are, and this is yeah. a true sign. And it's because they are a very tight knit community. For those of you who may not know this, the population of Malibu is 12,000, and it's been that way for a long time. And it's not been overexploited in that regard in terms of population. So this story, you know, tight, it's, it, it's quiet. I mean, you can, you, you know, it's deafening silence in Malibu. All you hear is the ocean mm. when you live there or when you're hanging out there. It's very peaceful. So for there to be like this, intrusion or something psychological going on that doesn't necessarily imply explosions and those type of uh, disturbances. It's all psychological. It's, it's a chess match, right? And Kristen, Mina Suvari and Todd Grinnell really came together as an ensemble cast. If you like those actors separately, you're gonna love them together. And you never know what you're getting as a director, right? You're, you're hoping that sure. everybody's gonna get along. And so all I can say is that not only did they get along as individuals off camera, but when that camera was on, they turned it on. And Mina, who is a really fascinating individual, she, you know, she, she's, a, she's a deep person. She believes in, she's really spiritual. She's very into frequencies of life and the energy that you feel in life anyway. So that played perfect into this, into the concept of, somebody being in the room while you're making love to your husband, you know, those kind of moments, yes, they do happen quite often because the character of Bree, and I'm not giving much away, we'll eventually find out in the story that she really knows that house better than they do because hmm. they just bought it. Right. And they found out that it had been burned down and they got to fix it. And so now there are all these new channels and canals and avenues, doors and windows that are unprotected when you're building, rebuilding a house, you know, all rules are broken. So that's really what it's about. It's about sort of that there is, there are no rules. And we apply that on set. There was a realism. We use the script as a map, which is stylistically how I like to operate with, with, with creativity and be open to all possibilities because then you get timeless magic and you get things that happen that are authentic. The camera, camera loves honesty. Right, I mean, it loves authenticity, and it also uh, the camera, the lens, it gravitates towards energy. And Mina's energy, Kristen's energy, man. Hmm. I mean, I will tell you that in this movie, and I'm not giving anything away, with or without clothes on, she is extraordinary. As an, you know, the, her energy, the, what she brings to her eyes, to her voice, to her movements. Incidentally, there's a little homage in the movie. To Psycho, but I with a big twist on it. You might have okay. seen it in the trailer. Or the I was going to say it's in the trailer. Some of yeah. some of and, it, not the payoff. <laughs> and what ha what happens in that in that shower is so, you know, and, oh, and I can't find the weird the words. I can't find the words for it because even all of us on set when we were shooting the shower scene, which was an afterthought, it wasn't in the script originally. You know, I wanted I wanted the stakes to go up, so I said to to Sherry, the writer, hey. Let's up the stakes. We need something crazy, like beyond and, you know, fantasy, but it's real. And the audience has to wonder if it's real or if it isn't. Mm -hmm. When we shot it, after I said, cut, the, everybody on the set, the crew, everyone, everyone, including the actors, they were like, 
<laughs> yeah, it's just everyone just. <laughs> that's when you. So that's what we knew. We had we had that. Um, we had to take chances, right? I love I love um, being fearless on set because then you can you can and you'll see that in the movie that there are moments where something happens that you would really wouldn't expect to happen, and that those were just no those were. Most of those were uh, created on, in the sp- on the spot, and we, you know, we all collaboratively came up with that stuff. And hey, and we just happen to have a crew, a camera, and some sound gear, so we might as well shoot these ridiculous, crazy ideas. Definitely. I, I mean, I I absolutely really enjoy hearing something like that because you know we you know this is episode 30 of our show and we've had the pleasure of getting to speak with some writers and directors and like one writer that really stuck out to me was uh was when we talked with daniel farrens because he was so young how they just took his script and like just did whatever they wanted to it and just hearing you collaborating with the writer having like a relationship being like hey let's at let's up the game you know, working together. It's just, a, it's a refreshing, refreshing thing to hear. And it's one of the things that can make filmmaking so much fun. I will tell you that. I love that you said that. And that's really important for, for filmmakers out there, no matter how many movies you've made or haven't made the key to enjoying the journey. Cause life is too short. Otherwise mm-hmm. is to be open. You have to be open to whatever is best for the movie. The writer doesn't know what's best. The director doesn't know what's best. The producers don't know what's best. Even the actors don't know. We have to be open to listening. And this is a little bit esoteric, but it does work in the creative world because this is how songs are written. This is how art is painted. You're channeling. And the movie is an abstract art form until it becomes concrete and carried to the theater or you can actually, even when you're watching it, it's still an an abstract experience, meaning that it is uh, organic to the way to emotions, to spirituality, to intellect, and even physicality. It takes the four elements that we're made of as human beings, puts it into one art form. Mm-hmm. So the movie, while you're making the film, especially while you're editing it, which is the final rewrite, you have to listen, so to speak, or feel. What is it the movie wants? That's all that matters. Whatever's best for this film and this story is gonna be best for an audience, first of all, and then for everybody else so that we can look back on it years later and go like, hey, you know what, that's pretty cool. It stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. Well, taking a step away from the creativity of it, you know, obviously, if you're behind a camera, if you're directing, if you're writing, you know, if you're acting, that's that's a form of art. That's your art form. That's, that's what goes into making the film. When you have something like Paradise Cove going straight to video on demand, straight to streaming. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's in some theaters, but I'm saying it's not like the wide, big theatrical release. What, where would you put that on the range from indie to independent to major motion picture? So I think that's the three. It's like indie is an extremely low budget, you know, something that Joe and I would make on our phones. Mm. Independent, you know, there is some financing behind it. And, you know, it might see some theatrical release. And then, of course, the wide uh, release. What What is Paradise Cove on that spectrum? And then what is the goal for the film now that it's made? I love the way you define those categories. Independent film, for sure, because it was made, uh, you know, on a, on a tight budget, but uh, respectable enough to get the movie made uh, true to the intent of the vision of the writer. And... Um, uh, you know, it would have seen, possibly might have seen three 300 screens or so. So it was going to start crossing over. 
However, because of COVID regulations and 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 you know the era that went in that we're in, uh, the producer writer Sherry Klein opted to because of the offers that the movie got, it opted she opted to just get the movie out and let people enjoy it, down to her next project, move on to her next project. So it falls again, kind of in that I hate to say it, not gray area, but it falls between the cracks in distribution and in, and in categorizing it. Uh, some independent films, and I'm um, living proof of that, you know, for some reason, touch a chord out there. People dig it and, you know, and then it starts, it opens up wider and it becomes p- part of pop culture without it being a major motion picture or a, a, a film, you know, that's largely funded by a studio and, and sees a wide release. Sometimes those movies just die on the first night, right? We all know that. Sure. So there's no rhyme or reason necessarily to 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 that equation in this particular case because this one borderlines on genre. So you never know what's going to happen with it. I'm I'm just glad that um, that we during COVID we were able to finish it. We that's what we did. We shot this in in 2019, and then 2020 we were already in post production on it, and we it was tough not to be in a room, you know, having to edit Zoom mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature and audio also, the, the team, you know, having to work from home and whatnot. But, but I, I will say it does have a, that's a great question. And, and, and I'll say it has a big, it has a cinematic feel to it because it was shot for the theaters. So when you watch it at home, it, it'll be that type of movie. It has that big, that big, even though it's self-contained, it has a, a a wide sort of panoramic feel to it. Plus, we're in Malibu, right? I got to tell you, it did suck to shoot in Malibu. <laughs> really? I can I can I, I hear I hear the weather's just brutal. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh this, the next you know, time we, we speak to way, Martin, the, I, I, it's going to be video. I got to tell you this really quick. I just got to tell you this really quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, Sh- Sherry's house. Mm. Uh, her next door neighbor is Matthew Perry's house. Oh, and, nice! And yeah, so we we needed uh, we needed a neighbor house because there's a neighbor. The, the neighbors in the movie are are kind of quirky and funny. They're comic relief because you know they don't know they don't know what's going on. <laughs> right, right. But at the same time, they know this gal who lives under the house, and they're used to homeless people, and they knew her. And, you know, they're being very nice to her and they don't believe anything of what's going on. They think that all this insanity that their neighbors are talking about mm-hmm. is conspiracy bullshit, right? <laughs> so in, in any event, um, we needed some neighbors. And so Sherry asked, you know, Matthew, if we could use his, his house and, you know, and put some actors in there. And he was like, yeah, whatever, man. Yeah. So when you see the neighbor's house, you know, just a little bit of trivia. Nice. It, it's Perry's house, and he was he was kind enough, kind enough soul to Simpsons. allow us now, to use that. Now it's like next time when I watch the movie, when I see the neighbor's house, I'm just going to hear. <laughs> <laughs> or, watching the movie. or the Simpsons, the, yeah. the, uh, with the with the episode, the Treehouse of Horror. Mm-hmm. Could I be any more of a house? Yes. <laughs> right, right, and if you, if, right, and, and all I can think of is if, you know Matthew Perry calling the cops and saying, "Hey, there's somebody under my freaking house." <laughs> That's funny. In Beverly Hills 90210, back in the day, you know, when I was younger, I was obviously into it for other reasons, but <laughs> but um, Matthew Perry was on 
that show in like the first or second season, like really early, and he was Brandon Jason Priestley's like like friend, but he was a bad influence, and he had like the cool car or whatever. Okay. The thing is, Matthew Perry was probably like thirty. And he was playing like, <laughs> like this uh, high school kid. It's a bad influence on uh, Jason yeah. Priestley. So <laughs> just to, since we're already on a, a Matthew Perry sidebar, Matthew Perry tidbits. Yeah. <laughs> but we're speaking about the film Paradise. Which is, by the way, when you're looking for him, if you can't find him, just look at the sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Good stuff. <laughs> So, no, that's it, it's cool that you were able to explain all that, the, the technical aspect of the film being self-contained, but made for the screen, because it's, it's unfortunate there are some indie films with extremely low budgets, and to no fault of their own, getting past the technical glitches... And then consuming the story is hard, and I feel really bad because I know I know how much time goes into making <laughs> something for the screen, and it's just it's it's sad when you know you're in the indie category if you can't get that first. You know, is it shot right? Is the audio correct? And then you get the final product on the screen, and then the colors out of balance or something like that. Like so, I I get that process, and I feel terrible when I'm asked to review a film. And it suffers from technical glitches because I'm like, man, I really knew what I really dug what they were going for in the story. Well, but we, we had one hit us. We didn't realize it until we were at a festival. That's right. Someone pointed it out to us. We had, we were at yep. the festival, and one of the other filmmakers there was just like, "Do you notice?" I was like, <laughs> "Oh, <laughs> no." The the reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I've been there. I've been there, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know, I've been so fortunate that. I get to work with A-list folks who who put up with me on these on, this, on the on the independent and indie films I've done. Yeah, and then that's what and we're we're speaking from personal experience. That's what we're saying. We for the first time we, we made a film with a zero budget. We had a really big comedian in it and it was like funny and it was good and then when we get to the festivals people are watching hey you know i know an audio guy that could really take care of that uh that yeah, one I'm like, just oh, every little like oh. those like little technical aspects <laughs> that like it's like you know we didn't have the money for it right <laughs> but you know we did we gave it we gave it everything we got we did man but i will tell you there's something to be said about you know the power of story and if we sat here you know uh, and we'll leave it for another episode. But if you sat, at, I, I bet you everybody who's listening to this, you could probably make a list of a half a dozen movies that you freaking love that had like imperfect perfections in it. There was little things that you were like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. that would, mm. had to be a mistake, but it, it worked in the overall of it. It's like part of the character of the <laughs> movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But our movie, you know, not not Paradise Cove. Paradise Cove is beautifully shot <laughs> on a beautiful coast, which we are in the middle of. I don't even know how many inches of snow we got. Yeah, but so <laughs> like, what a cool location to direct something like that, where you just have all those visuals, just all that scenery to like build around, like between scenes. Like, you know, I got to tell you, man, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in between shots. Usually, you know, I'm, I'll I'll check my phone or or go for a walk or, or yeah. go to the craft services and, and, and eat stupid food or whatever it is, right? Or having a cool conversation with someone while you're waiting for the next scene to be set up and makeup in here and all that stuff. In this particular case on Paradise Cove, we're shooting on, Mal on, on, on Malibu coastline. 
you know, my assistant director and the PAs had to come to me sometimes two or three times to say, hey, you know, Gigi, they're ready for you. And I'd be like, huh? What are you talking about, man? I'm, I'm just chilling, man. Yeah. I'm just hanging out, just watching, you know, every seventh wave seems to be a bigger wave. If I was a surfer, yeah, that'd be Ooh, my wave. Yeah. Things that. like that. Now, I will tell you this. For those of you who are curious about, who are into technical stuff about movie making. So we also recreated this house on a separate soundstage, a place called Thunder Studios. They are an awesome facility in Long Beach. Roderick David was one of our exec producers. He owns the joint. And this place is, um, well, anyway, we rebuilt the house to scale. Wow. Oh, man. It was shocking to Sherry when she, when our writer producer, you know, walked onto her, the set. Her house. Her house on the set. I mean, and she was really meticulous. Like she, she made sure that the art director with yeah. the exact same doorknobs. They went to Home Depot and found the same exact everything. Whew. Wow. And we did that because of two reasons. One is when you're shooting in Malibu or anywhere near the ocean, you're always going to hear the ocean and you're going to hear ocean sounds and you're not going to be able to control those later in post-production. Even though I like wild sound and I like what's called practical locations because there's something, I don't, again, I'm into realism, right? Mm -hmm. So, but just know that when you're watching the movie, we can't tell the difference. However, now you know that the scenes that were very quiet, and there's quiet dialogue or there's action, we're all done on a set in a recreated house of Malibu. But there is nothing like Malibu, right? You can't recreate the water and the ocean scenes. That's all real. Mm -hmm. Everything that you see, the actors are so brave, man. They jumped in. Now, the water was cold. We shot in, in, in uh, believe it or not, in April. It's going to sound spoiled, like a spoiled brat from Malibu. And I don't live in Malibu. <laughs> right? The water was cold in Malibu. I got boo -hoo, boo -hoo. Oh, was it 80 degrees that day? The water temperature? Man, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're speaking with Martin Gigi, director of Paradise, Paradise Cove. Cove. And I'll tell you this. I mean, you want the opposites. President's Day weekend coming up or whatever. This comes out on President's Day. Yeah, it does. And traditionally over here on the East Coast, specifically the Jersey Shore, is the what we call the polar bear plunge. Where a bunch of people jump into the Atlantic, you know, when it's uh, 20 degrees out. So I did that. I did it too. So how, oh. how was your experience? <laughs> Once was enough. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a one and done thing. And I will tell you this, I did it with some beers in me yeah. at midnight with a, a few friends of mine and it was a girl that I was like, you know, really liked and I was and then after I came out of the water, all I wanted to do is just like and go home. Yeah. <laughs> and go and get in a hot shower and a hot tub, you know. Man, yeah. that is that is definitely one way if you if you're if your life really sucks, or if your life is really great, I'm talking about extremes, just do the polar jump. Just do it. Yeah. Oh. Do it because it'll bring you back to reality no matter what. It's a very humbling experience. <laughs> and I, I did the same thing in, in preparation, had, had some, you know, some liquid courage, you know, some warmth. And I'm telling you, like, my goal was I'm going to run in and run out. And immediately, as soon as my bare feet hit that freezing cold water, I woke up, sobered up dove in and came out and was like what have i just done to myself <laughs> <laughs> so that's why that's why there's 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 no life on on pluto right exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's too freaking cold so how well how, so what i gotta ask what was the water temperature then in the pacific in april of 2019 <laughs> uh 
in somewhere in the 55 to 68 range. That's cold. That's still chilly with an ocean breeze. Yeah, but, but that's still, cold. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. And, 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 you know, I'll tell you, um, the, the actors were really, they, they were into it for whatever. And we shot at night, you know, the fight scene in the water Ooh. is at night. And we had stunt coordinators and we had stunt people and they didn't, uh, the actors didn't want to stunt. They wanted, to go for I, you know, it. They, they wanted to do it. They wanted to go for it. Nice. And I was like, man, I'm glad this is the, cause we saved that for last. I'm glad it's the end of the shoot. Cause I didn't want to lose actors to, excuse me, to colds or anything mm. of that nature. And you know, being in Malibu, is a trip. It really is. I mean, you have, we have, you know, the guy, and I'll just say this so you can watch for it in the movie. There's a guy who plays a homeless guy in the film who eventually becomes, you know, a not nice guy. And he was standing on the corner of the, of the Pacific coast highway and the road that leads to this house, the paradise cove house. He was standing on that corner, just waiting for us to shoot a scene. We were getting the car ready, the cameras, this. It was the opening moment in the movie. So when you see this and you see the homeless guy on the corner of the Pacific Coast Highway, Paradise Cove, this is what happened. This is what really happened. He was waiting for us. And he, we had about 20-minute wait. We shot the scene. And after the scene was shot, he came up to me. And I said, good job, man. As a supporting actor, you know, somebody we auditioned. This is great, man. You kicked, you kicked ass. This was great. You rocked it. And he, he said, hey, man, what should I do with this? And he opened his hand and he had a, you know, a pile of cash in his hand. And I said, what do you mean? What should you do? I said, it looks great. Yeah, it was just, you know, Congrats. God bless you, whatever. He goes, no, man, you don't understand. While I was waiting for you guys to shoot the scene, cars that were driving by, residents in Malibu, they were all giving me money. <laughs> and, 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 and I said, and I'm thinking, oh, didn't you tell them, you know, you're on, you're an actor in a movie? And he said, I told them I was playing a homeless guy in a movie, but they didn't believe me. <laughs> and, you know, in 20 minutes, I, I got like 72 bucks. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I said, God bless you, man. You yeah. know, you know, and, you everybody know, these some days. pizza or something. <laughs> so that's, that's, you know, that's what you get when you shoot in Malibu, you know? right? <laughs> That's instant awesome. investors. Do you think like doing a scene like that, like that was the last scene you guys shot? Like, you know, just like that being the last scene, definitely everybody's riding on like a higher energy because like, it's like, this is it. Like, and we're going to finish strong. And especially if you're going to do like a fight scene in the water, like making, did, did you make that in advance being like, this is how we finish? It's a great question, man. Uh, there's a behind the scenes video out there. If you if any if you guys can look it up, just Paradise Cove behind the scenes, it'll come up. And there's it specifically shows how we designed it and how we did that. It's pretty wild. It really is cool because you know you're in Malibu, yeah, and <laughs> you're hoping that you know we need a, we need lights, you need trucks, you need all these things, and the neighbors the neighborhood does not want that. And they've given it, they gave us permits to shoot and all that, but you have a certain amount of time. And um, you're in the real ocean. And all I'm thinking about is, oh, you know, please be safe. Yeah. I don't want to be on, you know, on the news, you know, the <laughs> work. So it's like, that's all I'm thinking about. Do we really need this scene? You know, I kept saying to the writer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, hey, thank God it all, it all worked out. 
Mm-hmm. Well, with respect to Martin, Martin's time, I think we're going to wrap up episode 30 because I'm tired of hearing about how great Malibu is as <laughs> I have to shovel snow or slip on ice for like the third time in right. the last week. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, this was, this was meant to be, even though the first one was deleted. I wasn't there for it. You weren't. And I'm here for it this time. So, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you, Martin. And I really appreciate you coming on our show. Thank you so much for uh, that. The, fe- the feeling is mutual. Now, this is the official episode. Yes, this this, this is, is the it. official one. Episode 30 in the books. Again, if you have any ideas, uh, you want to run by us here at Red River Horror, it's redriverhorror at gmail.com. Go see Paradise Cove. Go just open up Google Paradise Cove. What will first come up is, you know, the actual place that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe type in movie there so you can find it. Oh, and we'll blast you with the trailer. Yeah, so remember, it's undefinable. It is undefinable. Um, I was I was going in psychological thriller, thriller with horror elements, but yes, it is undefinable. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I'm your host, Joe Zakreski. This has been episode number 30. You can find me at Red River Joe on Twitter. And remember to keep traveling those channels of fear. <laughs>